following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Luke, the tenth chapter, verses 41 and 42. Now it came to pass, as they went, he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet, and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. So Jesus is is visiting in a home of friends. And as he's visiting, one of the sisters busies herself preparing the meal. She has a full agenda for the day. She perhaps had not expected Jesus to show up that day. She may have had other engagements, and she had to work very quickly. She was under a great deal of pressure. So Mary sits down and listens to Jesus as he talks to her about the gospel. What do you suppose Jesus would talk to you about if you just sat down before him and waited to see what his topic of conversation would be? She sat listening, perhaps with a tear, perhaps under deep conviction. But Mary is is filled with love for Jesus. He has her full attention. Martha, on the other hand, she's troubled about many things. And Jesus says to her, Again, Luke ten forty one and 42. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You see, Mary had seized upon the one thing called the good part. And Jesus says she's not going to lose that good part. Well, what is that one thing needful? What is the business of life? The great business of life. What is it all about? Evidently, from this passage and many others, that one very important part is to know Jesus Christ, not in concept alone, but in reality. Mary gave her earnest attention, focused completely on Jesus. From the moment he entered the house, she gave herself up to sit at his feet to hear his words. And Jesus was not displeased about her seeming inattention to all of the other earthly things that seemed so important to Martha. Martha, on the other hand, was was very careful to entertain him well. 
Doubtless she had a very high regard for Jesus as a friend. She welcomed him warmly. And when Lazarus died, she was right there seeking Jesus. But she had not understood the mission of Jesus. Mary wanted Jesus. Now, there's no comparison between the one thing and the many things. The one thing stands above everything else. And one of the great troubles that I have as I come day by day to this radio broadcast is recognizing that many of you will listen for a few minutes and then you're gone to something you consider more important. You're about your busy schedule of the day. You're like Mary, filled with cares and concerns and schedules and events. When will you finally sit down in front of Jesus and just listen? You see, here's the problem. There are so many things that the devil has laid out in our modern culture that we don't have time, we think, to just sit before Jesus. I have to tell you, I'm very impressed by AA people, Alcoholics Anonymous. One dear sister, she just sent me a note saying, I have for nine years been sober. She had her anniversary this week. Jesus has totally changed her life. Guess where she goes in the middle of every day? five days a week to her AA meeting not because she's afraid she's going to drift back into alcoholism she's not Jesus has totally changed her life she now has a wonderful husband and beautiful children she is a godly woman serving Jesus with all of her heart so why does she go to AA because she's there to help other people and she's there to be encouraged in the journey But it seems church people want to drift into church late, want the preacher to quickly finish his message and be on their way because they have important things to do. This is what began happening at the National Prayer Chapel. People drifting in late, showing up when they wanted to, not really that serious about Jesus. Oh, but they have a personal relationship with Jesus. They know about Jesus. They've been taught. They've been preached to. And now they've got the theology. But at the prayer chapel, most have missed Jesus. And can I say this without offending you? Most of you have missed Jesus too. Or when this broadcast comes on, you would sit transfixed before the broadcast and you would eagerly listen to every word that is spoken because it's coming from the heart of Jesus. But I know, you don't have time. You're on your way. You've got things to do and, and people to see and shopping to do and this to do and that to do. You're like, 
You're like, Martha? Now, please, I'm going to speak to you about this today. At the National Prayer Chapel, it's all changed. It's not going to happen anymore. I'm not going to pastor an institutional church where people drift in and out, where we can show up whatever time we want to show up. No. I'm calling the prayer chapel to be the upper room. I'm calling the prayer chapel to become the 120 who will give their full attention to Jesus, not be distracted during the week, not be distracted on Sunday, but who will give themselves entirely and completely to seeking after Jesus Christ. Why? Well, because if we don't understand... And this is the most difficult part of the Christian faith in America. If we do not understand that we must repose ourselves in Jesus, that we need to depend on him 100%, that we can't do anything without him. Let me read it for you again. Jesus says in John 15, Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, the one remaining in union with me, and I with him. This one bears much fruit, because apart from me, you're not able to do anything. If anyone may not remain in union with me, he was thrown out, as the branch was dried up, and they gather them up and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you may remain in union with me, and my remote, breathed word of God may remain in you you will ask whatever you may desire and it will happen for you now I come confessing honestly before you I have not depended upon Jesus as I am called to do in the scripture I found myself busy like Martha what's the special for this week who's bringing the flowers who needs to be contacted prepare the sermon a holiness sermon a, a serious sermon come and do the radio broadcast I'm not going to do this anymore I'm going to wait upon Jesus with those who desire the fullness of the Holy Spirit and if you desire the fullness of the Holy Spirit and you're willing to sit before Jesus and give to him your absolute full attention Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you're willing to give Jesus your full attention, you see... If you don't do this, you will be vaccinated against the person of Jesus Christ. You'll be very religious. You'll know the theology. You'll know the, the philosophy. But you won't know Jesus. And you will not produce much fruit. And I at the National Prayer Chapel have not produced much fruit. And the Lord is calling me to a whole new 
level of devotion. I've been shocked by some at the prayer chapel as I have as I have seen them establish their own rules, their own codified rules, their own cultural rules, their gossip. I've been heartbroken because it demonstrates to me they lack a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it's time to come back. And it's time to give Jesus our full attention like Mary did and ask for the good part. Now may I be frank with you. It will take you time, it will take you energy, and it will take you money to give Jesus your full attention. You're going to have to cancel social engagements. You're going to have to change your schedule. You're going to have to drive perhaps for many miles. But I humbly call upon you to do what I'm doing, to give Jesus full attention and to totally depend upon him to no longer try in your flesh to accomplish anything for the gospel of Jesus Christ or in any other part of your life but to utterly depend upon the Lord to cast aside your cares your very important things and focus your whole attention on Jesus now we speak about revival, and next week I'm going to dive into what is revival and, and what happened in the past. But let me just give you a very quick a very quick definition of revival. Revival is when God's people begin to hunger and thirst after Jesus as a, as a whole congregation, where they give themselves to seeking Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then when Jesus comes in his spirit, It's with a mighty wind and flames of fire. And the lost are converted. And family members are transformed. And there's weeping and confession of sin. I've spent the last several days weeping before the Lord and confessing my sin. My sin of not depending entirely upon Jesus my being self-sufficient, my being so exhausted and tired by the work of the gospel that I had no strength left to depend upon Jesus. What utter foolishness. What craziness. I can do nothing without Jesus. I can accomplish nothing without Jesus. The National Prayer Chapel doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. He's the one who called for it. But we've neglected prayer. And you know what? I also have neglected the kind of prayer Jesus calls for. Oh, I've prayed every day for an hour, sometimes two or three hours. But Jesus wants much more in prayer. (laughs) I've neglected the hours 
necessary for reading the word. Instead, I've tried to pour my heart out to love people. And it's very important to love people. But it's more important to love Jesus. It's more important to give myself wholly to loving Jesus and seeking after him. And and let me be very plain with you. I'm looking. I'm praying. I am trusting Jesus that there are enough people in this listening congregation right now who are serious about Jesus, who want the power of the Holy Spirit, who want to focus their heart entirely on seeking Jesus, that better part that Mary wanted, that you will come to the National Prayer Chapel. And you'll be a part of the 120 in the upper room. (laughs) What's it going to cost you? It's going to cost you everything. I'm not going to play games. It'll cost you time and energy and money. Will you do it? Will you focus everything you have with a group of people? Now, many of you, I know, are seeking Jesus, but you're all alone in that seeking. You don't have other people. Revival comes when there's a general coming together of God's people, and they pray together, and they commit together, and they and they cry out, they confess their sins together, they weep together together. They make supplication before the throne of God together. Will you do that? Will you do that? Now, I'm going to teach. But I'm going to also open the phone line. And if some of you would like to call and talk about this, you're welcome to. If you're calling to object or criticize... Don't bother calling because I'll just ask that you not be allowed on the air. This is for those who are serious about Jesus. It's not for the objectors. So our phone line in studio is 877-534-0780. Please don't call and be self-righteous and say, oh, I've got all this down. Because you know what? I don't have it all down. I don't think you do either. It's time to get really honest about our our walk with Jesus. It's time. It's time to get serious and focus on Jesus Christ. Our culture is going to hell in a handbasket. Every corrupt thing is happening in this nation. And God's people are wailing and moaning, but they're not getting on their faces before God and saying, I have to be changed. I have to find Jesus. Now, please, until you're willing to get on your face with a group of people and seek after Jesus with all your heart, you're not going to find Jesus. And revival's not going to come to this city, and we're not going to experience what God wants to pour out for for America. Well, why is this one thing needful? Well, it's needful because we need to escape the consequences of our sin. And if you're a sinning Christian, you've been deceived. And you need to escape the consequence of your sin. Now, the problem is, 
a normal person would think, okay, I'm either going to walk in sin and I'm going to say I'm saved and you're going to blow off any remorse. Or you're going to dive into remorse and you're going to wallow in your remorse and in your sorrow and frankly that's necessary for a time. But there's another place we're called to. And that is to begin to see what Jesus did as he hung on that tree in agony and blood. To begin to understand that Jesus Christ will meet you. And he will take away the remorse and the sorrow and he will make you righteous. And then he's calling upon you to walk day by day in total dependence upon Jesus and never, ever, ever to become a Martha, but to be a Mary for the rest of your life, sitting at the feet of Jesus and only doing as he instructs you, as he teaches you. I have seen very few people be under such remorse that they feel like they cannot live another five minutes, they can't endure this crushing weight of woe. The self-reproach, the condemnation. Most of you have never experienced this because you've not allowed Jesus to come and reveal to you the true condition of your heart before him. You have grabbed onto an intellectual understanding of what the gospel is and you've become very religious in your intellectual understanding but you've never just allowed the Holy Spirit to crush you and weep before him for your sin it's very interesting to me that when Jesus came in the book of Mark he did not come saying wait on me he came saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand the royal authority of God is ready to be exercised repent quickly you see if we have no inner sense of our desperate condition and we have no need to repent before God we'll feel no remorse And we'll just pursue an intellectual understanding of the kingdom of God. And that will not suffice. Mary chose to choose Jesus. It must become the greatest business of life for you. You must not allow yourself to be distracted by everything that's being played out before you by the devil and by the culture and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Parties, social events, sporting events, everything that is going on in this world is meant to distract you from the greatest business of life, which is coming into oneness with Jesus Christ. Nothing should be able to divert us from this choice. 
life's greatest labor is to know Jesus Christ, to seize upon it with all of our might and all of our heart. If Mary had run about the house, setting her heart upon getting a good supper for her guest, she would have missed the good part and lost it, perhaps forever. Her mind needed to be fastened and her attention held until her heart's greatest choice was fully made. And Jesus encouraged her, encouraged her to sit there and attend to his life-giving words. And Martha came along fretting and complaining. Mary may have been grieved by Martha's words, but Jesus took her part and replied for her so that she had nothing to do but to bend her ear and her whole heart again to the words of her Lord. To this one thing, we must bend every energy we have. We must yield to Jesus Christ. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's the word of God to us. Mary never fulfilled the conditions of this choosing. She never was willing to give her fixed attention to this subject. Many of you have seasons of serious thought. But Satan then says, you must not neglect your duties. And in this temptation, many who call themselves Christians turn their attention to doing all of the duties of life. They're unwilling to sit down and give full attention to this one thing. This attention must be necessarily a thing indispensable to the wise and blessed. You never get the good things save as you fulfill the conditions for those things. At the prayer chapel, we have never fulfilled the conditions for revival to come. It pains me greatly to say this, but we've been more focused on how we do the program than on how we get to Jesus. I am deeply grieved by this. And I will no longer participate in that. I want the National Prayer Chapel and I will call the, the chapel now, publicly, and in private on Sunday to give absolute full attention to seeking after Jesus until, as a congregation, the Holy Spirit comes in power. We must fulfill the conditions, and the condition is very simple. Full attention on Jesus and full dependence upon him. It is time for us to repose in Jesus 
to let go of our fear, to let go of our anguish, to let go of our guilt. It is time for us to forget about success. It is time for us to do and be only what Jesus calls us to do and be. All other agendas must be laid aside. So I invite you to come this Sunday to the National Prayer Chapel and we will begin. We'll begin by just sharing, talking about where we're at in our journey. We'll begin by supplication and prayer. We will depend entirely on Jesus. We are not there to build a successful church. We are there to come into a fullness with Jesus Christ that will bring revival to Washington, D.C. And I will give the rest of my life in total dependence upon Jesus alone and in totally seeking that one good thing. And I ask you to do the same with me. Now that doesn't mean the children are not going to be cared for and that meals will not be prepared. Jesus knows we need those things. But the primary focus of our heart must be on Jesus until we are fully resting in his rest, Hebrews 3 and 4, entering into his rest, not walking in hardness of heart. Where does hardness of heart come from? Hardness of heart comes from unbelief in Jesus. Unbelief comes when we do not believe his promise that he will do what he has said he will do. Unbelief comes from a frantic scratching to get what we think we must have to survive. Our survival is not in what we do. Our survival is in who Jesus Christ is. Will you humble your heart with me? And will you seek the face of Jesus Christ? We must make a general effort. When some are ready and urgent and others are not, you're not going to have a revival. You're not going to have the power of God come that will affect the general culture. It's when we come together and give ourselves to searching after Jesus that he can come and move. It's not a matter of growing into Jesus. And I I confess honestly, I've taught much about Jesus, and it's all been true. But I cannot teach you into Jesus. You enter Jesus only one way. By making it the greatest business of your life to repent. 
and by the power of the blood of Jesus to put away your sin. And by the power of the blood of Jesus, walk in victory over every defeat. You cannot learn your way into salvation. Yes, there's certain information necessary. But bottom line, it's a choice. Will I give myself with full attention to Jesus Christ? Or will you, by the teaching, only become more hardened, establishing your own righteousness, establishing your own customs and culture, establishing your own codified rules for how people should behave, and then judge and gossip when people don't behave the way you think they should? That's the way of the Pharisees, not the way of the Spirit of Christ. You cannot learn your way into the gospel. You can only repent your way into the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when Christian people shall unite in treating this matter as the one thing needful, then when unconverted people see that Christians are absorbed in efforts to save themselves, pardon me, and begin to treat everything else as of no value compared with their souls, then you may expect them to believe you are sinners, and then your example and efforts will have great weight. If there is a general effort to provide, to promote revival and godliness, and they're invited to come, they will come because they have seen the humility of your life. Some people foolishly think that I must have some standards established and and some properness established, and then my family will come to Jesus wrong. They'll come to Jesus when they see you totally focused on Jesus and throwing away all of your humanistic righteousness. If you all come and seek Jesus and pray and give your whole attention to searching after Jesus, repenting, getting clean, then you will not be able to keep the lost from the church. If the lost have not been flooding into your church as they have not been flooding into the National Prayer Chapel, there's only one reason for that. The National Prayer Chapel is not walking in the fullness of Jesus. It is this saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that is the one needful thing. And it's time we begin to treat it as though it were the only thing. If Jesus is not the only thing, he is not your Lord and he is not your master, and you are not converted, you may be very religious and you may have a full understanding of the gospel and how it works, but you are an unconverted person. Jesus does not occupy the fullness of your mind and your heart. 
Are you willing? Are you willing to give up your heart fully? To give up your heart fully to Jesus? Jesus Christ is the one. Will you have this Jesus? Now, some of the thoughts that I've shared with you today came from Charles Finney, a sermon entitled The One Thing Needful, February 2, 1859. This is not new stuff that I'm sharing with you. This is the gospel that's been preached year after year by men who have seen a mighty move of the Holy Ghost. And you know what? I'm going to see a mighty move of the Holy Ghost also. He's coming. Do you want to be a part? Then you must meet the condition. You must give up all of the distractions. You must drive the miles. You must meet the expense that will be incurred. And you must give fully your time and energy to seeking after Jesus Christ. Or you will never see the redemption of America. My heart cries for America. My heart cries for the lost and the dying. It's a precious woman, Kiona. Kiona works at Starbucks. She was in a Christian family. But then she turned to lesbianism. She tattooed herself. She turned to the pagan gods. Oh, I want to see Kiona come to Jesus and renounce lesbianism. My heart weeps for her. She is a wonderful, wonderful young woman. Jesus loves her. There's Latvi, and there's Yusuf, and Hassan, who all worship Allah. My heart breaks for them. I love them with all my heart. But I have no Holy Spirit power to move upon their life. And so I speak with them, but they counter with their arguments. And so I finally gave up and I just loved them. I want more than just love for the lost, I want their salvation. Dwoud and Manisha. I love them with all my heart. A lieutenant colonel in the reserves, an FBI agent. I had no power to bring him to Jesus. Oh, yes, some have come by grace. Some, as I've witnessed, have, have received Jesus. 
but not in the numbers necessary to make any change in our culture. <laughs> so what are you going to do? How long will you laze along knowing the gospel and having a sentimental experience with Jesus, but not giving yourself entirely to repentance and to seeking his face and to reposing in Jesus and trusting him in everything. How miserable do you have to get? How tired do you have to be? Before you finally say to Jesus or nothing. Jesus or nothing. I mean, not to understand what I'm talking about today is real infidelity in respect to Jesus. It is a rejection of the gospel of Christ and of Jesus himself. No one understands and believes the gospel in any saving sense who does not understand and believe in his utter, complete dependence upon Jesus. Without a belief in this doctrine, our soul becomes proud and self-sufficient and presumptuous. When we depend upon our own labor, our own strategies, our own ideas, and we do not understand, as I shared yesterday, that we are like a man with one leg gone, and we need the crutch. I'm a one-legged man, and I need that crutch. I can't walk without Jesus. That crutch becomes the very center of mobility. It's always close at hand. You're constantly reaching for it. This morning I awakened in the early hours before dawn, and terror began to grip my heart because so many changes are happening so fast at the prayer chapel. So many things are happening in my personal life. The terror began to rise up in my heart. And immediately it came to me, you must control your mind and you must give Jesus your full attention and you must repose in Jesus. And as I did that, all fear left. Great confidence arose in my heart. Great joy began to spring up in my spirit. And I can't give you the details right now, but I tell you what, in the, in the hours of this morning, I spent much time in the prayer closet. I spent much time weeping before Jesus, confessing and repenting of my own self-sufficiency and my own foolishness. And then the hand of Jesus moved with astonishing power and opened for me everything I was needing today. <laughs> and it was done without my struggling for it. 
the location for the wedding suddenly opened. All the help for the wedding opened up. The date opened up. The pastor said, yes, I'll be happy to marry you. Everything began to just click. Everything happened. Why? Because I knew what to do? Absolutely no. Because Jesus was involved in the midst of it. Money? Oh, money will make me more frightened than almost any other single thing. How am I going to pay? How am I going to buy a wedding ring for my fiancé? How am I going to pay for the wedding? How am I? 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 Stop it. Keep my eyes on Jesus. Trust that he knows what he's doing. Trust that he's going to open the way. Keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Repose in the rest. Enter the rest of God and let Jesus... Make everything work. Glory to his name. Praise and honor and glory to the name of Jesus. I walked into Panera's for lunch today, and the manager met me. He's a wonderful Christian brother. He said to me, Pastor, what's up today? I said, Jesus is up today. The staff around him, they all broke into laughter. And he looked at me with the most serious look in his eye. His name is Joseph. He said, Pastor, Jesus is up today. And all of us stood there just rejoicing in Jesus. The customers were standing around looking, what is happening? Is this a prayer meeting right in the midst of Panera? Yes, we just stood there and worshipped Jesus for a few minutes while there was a line of maybe ten people waiting to order at the counter. But Jesus was honored. Does this make your heart excited? It does mine. Now please... I need to know What's your intention? Will you turn to Jesus? Will you acknowledge your complete dependence on Jesus? Will you stop holding it as a theory? Would you, would you forget your pride? Would you forget your arrogance? I've made mistakes and I've sinned before God. You have as well. Let's admit that. Let's back down from our self-righteousness. Let's let's back down from our opinions and our judgments and our gossip. Let's get to Jesus. You cannot depend on Jesus without casting yourself fully upon him. You cannot... Depend on Jesus if you're not settling down upon him and reposing in him. Depending upon Jesus is an act of the will. It is an act of the heart. It is holding on to Jesus Christ. It is an ever-active state of mind. It is cleaving to him. 
It is an act of your heart and your mind. What will you do? We're out of time for this broadcast. We're going to go further, but I invite you to come on Sunday, and I'm going to give you the address. I don't know what's going to happen on Sunday, but I'm inviting you. It's not going to be a normal worship service, I can assure you. Something you've probably never seen before. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come and lead it. Come to the National Prayer Chapel, and we meet at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. The address is 14851 Gideon Drive. Again, it's right beside the Hilton Memorial Event Center in Woodbridge, Virginia. It's the All Saints Anglican Church, 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Drive around to the back side of the building, and there you'll see a large white sign that says Lower Lobby. Come in through the double glass doors, and you'll find us on the left-hand side in the worship center. Lord, would you move with power in the hearts of every person who's listened to this broadcast, and would you call after them? I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.